And the things you think about, Pete, you know, at 20, you think, am I ever going to have children? Yeah. You know, when I, I, I talk about in the book, um, three weeks in, you know, I was kind of out of that danger zone of passing. Mm-hmm. But now it was, will I walk? How much, how, you know, how well will I walk? And an intern neurologist came in and did some tests. And I don't know this person's an intern. I'm 20 years old. And looks at me and goes, yeah, you probably will never walk again. So, you know, it's, it's, it's odd to think, you know, yeah. when people are in COVID lockdown, yeah. you know, I would tell people, you can, you can do this. Yeah. I know you don't think you could do it, but trust me, you could do it. Um, and, you know, I always tell people, it's always better to be the person sitting in traffic than the person that caused it. Mm-hmm. Um, because too often you sit in traffic and you're like, oh, I can't believe I'm taking forever. You drive by a car and everyone, you know, kind of rubbernecks. And mm-hmm. you really think about that person, you know, a mile after you pass it. Um, and for me, you know, you talk about mantras and yeah. you know, one of the things that, that I always like to tell people is, you know, since we were kids, people would tell us, live your life to the fullest. You can get hit by a bus tomorrow. It, it really, Pete, doesn't have anything to do with the bus. Yeah. You know, it could be a diagnosis. It could be a car accident. It could be a lost job. It could be, you know, bad financial situation or, or investment, whatever it is. You know, when you wake up in the morning, you never know what can rattle you to the core by the time you come home. Hey everyone, this is Pete Perusik, and I want to welcome you to this edition of the Weathered Athlete Podcast, a place for us to honor those athletes that refuse to go quietly into the night. As a weathering triathlete and a physical therapist, I will spend my time talking with those athletes that continue to make the necessary repairs and continue to move forward. They may have a few cracks in their foundation or a squeaky step, and their patinas may continue to fade, but they are no less glorious than years prior. In fact, I feel they have more heart and resolve as they have weathered provide the pathway and set the standard that we should all live by. My goal is to determine what sets these individuals apart from the rest of society. Don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a comment, and share with your friends. Today I'm honored to be joined by Jerry Giuliano for mile number 25. I was fortunate to meet Jerry in 2016 as we prepared for Ironman 70.3 Augusta. He is a great example of why looking at a few pictures does not ever tell the whole story. Until recently, I was not aware of the severity of his car accident when he was 20 and the mountains he had to climb to go, as he states, from Surgical Steel to Iron Man, which is the title of his upcoming book, which includes a collection of perseverance stories. As you listen to his recall of our hot day in Augusta, I encourage you to reflect on that intro soundbite of what the neurology intern told him. They say a picture is worth a thousand words, but I say there are another few thousand words on the backside of that picture that deserve attention as well. I hope you enjoy. Hey, Pete. Hey, what's going on, Jerry? How you doing, man? I'm good. God, it's been way too long. Way, way too long. How long have you been in Tennessee? So, four years in August. Wow. It'll be four. So, three and a half. It's amazing how time flies. I know. I was thinking about that. You know, I was trying to go back and, and think, and I knew it was somewhere in that time frame, the four to five year range. Yeah. Wow. It's been uh, it's been an amazing ride. I mean, it's like eh, 
I guess my daughter came over in seventh grade and my, my son was in fifth and now she's in 10th and he's in seventh and whew. <laughs> they'll be out of the house before you know it. Like mine, it goes very, very fast. Familiar. Yeah. Very familiar. <laughs> hey, you know, Jerry, thanks for taking time with me. This is uh, great to talk to you again. Oh, this is so cool. I, I mean, when you reached out originally, you know, I was like, 25% through with the book and, you know, it was kind of very early. I just put some things out there just kind of get a feel from people. And, uh, now it's, it's in editing. It's, it's just about done. I mean, it's, it's a pretty cool experience. Very cool. You know, to write something like this and the learning experience and the emotions that go with it. But it, so when you reached out, I was like, yeah, this would be fun. Yeah. If nothing else to catch up with Pete. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way I that's the way I look at it, and you know maybe this will be good practice for uh, future uh, uh, things like this for you as you start to get on that tour to uh, to publish it or to. That would be fun. Yeah, that would be fun. My daughter thought this was the coolest thing in the world. What doing the? Podcast? I was sitting around the table this morning, and I said, I said, I said, I need to uh, look over Pete stuff, and my daughter was like, "Who's Pete?" I'm like, "Oh, it's a friend I used to train with for my triathlons." we're doing a podcast tonight. He's interviewing me for a podcast. And she's like, Oh my God. <laughs> it was like the coolest thing in the world. Cause she's published actually a book already I on poetry. She, she does poetry and stuff and she's just about to publish her second one. So I'm actually following in her footsteps. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I noticed that, that she had done that. So while wow, she's written a second one, that's incredible. Yeah. Second one is just about to go into print. Wow. Pretty neat, yeah. So did she teach you all the ropes of everything about writing a book? She, You know, she's <laughs> given me a lot of pointers, and it's funny because she she knows a lot more than than you would anticipate. You know, she takes the – she's done those master's classes. Yeah. I don't know if you know, like, that master's system. And we signed up for that, and she's done a few publishing. And so, you know, when I was getting into it, it was hard to figure out where to start, you know, where, where do you start with something like this? And she's like, well, you just start writing. Mm -hmm. I said, like, well, don't you need to like connect the best? She's like, just write. And sure enough, you know, for me, my son was at a gymnastics camp in Knoxville and I, it was cause COVID mm -hmm. couldn't go in. So I was sitting in the parking lot for seven hours. So I, I brought my laptop and I said, you know, I'm going to just start writing. We'll see. And I wound up writing about 5,500 words. And I guess you start with like how big the, you want the book to be kind of thing. Part of me doing this is I, this is pretty laid back. I just want to, one, learn more about you, which is, which is pretty cool. So I definitely, we're going to get into uh, talking about the book and the process. Cause I think that's a, that's a pretty cool thing as, as far as one, why you wrote it. So I want you to talk about that. We did, uh, we did one event together, right? Augusta. Yeah. And in the heat, which we'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> yes. The dreaded heat. Yeah. Yeah. Are you still doing some things now, Jerry? Absolutely. Uh, I'm training for a race this summer. Okay. What race is Smaller that? Smaller one. It's a Nashville sprint. 
Uh, and then there's another one in Hendersonville that's kind of an Olympic size that I'm trying to work on. Okay. So have you been able to train much with COVID? Yeah. You know, fortunately, living in Tennessee, our, our pools were opened uh, by, I think, June 1st. So, you know, and everything else, we have the bike trainer at the house and you can run outdoors, obviously. So, um, you know, swimming is the hardest part to keep up with. I saw you mentioned, you know, if I want to call myself a triathlete, I have to swim, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was fantastic. So, uh, yeah, I, I started swimming back in June and um, I get in the pool probably four or five times a week now. And I'm doing anywhere from 1,500 to 2,000 yards. So. Wow. Kind of keeping that part up because that's always the hardest part to jump back into, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Tell me about it. I didn't realize it was that long. I remember swimming just before COVID, before we closed down. And then I let my membership go at the club. Uh, actually, I paid for it for a while and then kind of just let it go because I wasn't going to go back. And then uh, when I went back in, they kind of put an incentive out there. You don't have to pay initiation fee. I showed back up and he said to me, he goes, um, wow, it's been 300 and I don't know, 89 days or something like that since that last there. So that was actually the last time I was in the pool swimming. And it was tough getting back in there that first day. Um, so you're right. I, I can't call myself a triathlete if I'm not going to actually put the work in and get in the water. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I haven't been back since. I need to get back in there. Um, I just need to get in, out of routine again. It's just so easy to fall out of that routine. Yeah. And, and it, it, we're fortunate, you know, we go to a, a gym about five miles from here and they have uh, three pools and one I call it the old person pool. They keep it about, you know, 78 <laughs> degrees. So there's no, you know, getting in early in the morning because it's, it's obviously it's an early sport before work. You know, people get in the pool anytime from I think 430 to 7 is the most crowded the pool is all day. Yeah. Yeah, you know, getting out of bed on a cold day and getting in that cold water always. So there's three pools with three different temperatures, and it's fantastic. So, wow, that's good. Um, so, how's it been for work with you? Uh, did you travel a lot before, or were you always kind of in a home base? No, I traveled and uh, I worked out of an office. Uh, during COVID, we've been working from home. VF kind of um, put us work from home back in March of 20 and we're planned to go back in uh, June of 21. Okay. So, what do you do for VF? So I work in the uh, innovation and sales side. Uh, you know, VF owns North Face, Vans, Reef, uh, work, and then a workwear division. And I'm in the workwear side. So there's multiple coalitions and each are anchored by a brand. So like North Face anchors the outdoor section. Vans would anchor the action sports and say Dickies would anchor the workwear. Okay. So that coalition I do, you know, innovation and then sales for some of the brands. Okay. So it, you did travel, like you said before. Quite a bit. Yeah. Okay. So which always made the training hard. Yeah. So now you obviously have more time to do training. It's been fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it really has, you know, you, where, where you used to, have to get to the gym by six to swim for 45 minutes shower and get to the office now i can you know get there by seven shower and just come home yeah. <laughs> you know shower here so that's cool nashville has quite a bit of traffic 
So working from home, I'm about 19 miles south of the city, which could take anywhere from 35 minutes to an hour and a half commute um, each way. And taking that out of my schedule has been fantastic. So, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, you've gained a few hours a day. Yeah, Yeah, that's nice. Um, So you grew up in what, New York? New Jersey, Bergen County, New Jersey. Okay. Uh, About two miles south of the George Washington Bridge. Okay. So northern New Jersey. So did you play sports growing up? I did. I did. I played, uh, I was, you know, back then it was the three major sports, uh, you know, football, basketball, baseball. Uh, Played that basically to my junior year in high school. And then I just focused on uh, baseball. And then my senior year, I played baseball and football. Uh, and then when I was even post high school, I played American Legion ball, which is kind of like the Northeast version of semi-pro. Um, and it was a great league. And I played that right up until I got in my car accident, okay. which is what ended my athletic career for, for a while, but not forever. Yeah. So wh- how old were you when you had that accident? I forget. So I was 20 years old. 20. Okay. First day of my junior year of college. So. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll get to that in, in a second. So, um, when did you, when did you start triathlon? So I was wanting to train for triathlon right before my accident. Uh, and then obviously that didn't happen. And then when I was 44 years old, I went to the doctor and he said, you know, you put on some weight, your blood pressure's elevated, your cholesterol is kind of getting in the wrong direction because I'll give you six months to get yourself in shape. And uh, if not, we're going to put you on medicine. And I was 44 years old. I was kind of like, wow, it's kind of young to get on, on medicine for that kind of stuff. I said, let me see what I could do. And that, that like season we were at a Christmas party and a friend of mine said, Hey, we're training for triathlons. And I was like, really? I've always wanted to do one since I was like 19. I said, let's, let's do, I said, what's the distance? And it was a sprint, you know, and, uh, it was over in Raleigh and, uh, it was right around my birthday. So I was going to turn 45 and I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I started, you know, I started biking, you know, I had a mountain bike and it was like, you know, you, you grow up thinking I could bike, I bike everywhere. So you get on a mountain bike and I'll ride five miles, no big deal. The race is only 12, I think it was. Yeah, it was a 300 meter swim in a pool, 12 mile bike, and then a 5K. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can figure this out. <laughs> 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 totally underestimated it, you know? So, you know, I mean, with my hips from my accident, it was always a difficult, like the run would always be a chore. Yeah. But, you know, I started running a little bit. I got myself up to like a mile, then I got myself up to a mile and a half. And, you know, within a few months, I, I was up to, uh, within like two months, I was I was doing 5Ks, like three miles. No races yet, but, and then, uh, you know, I'd bike on weekends, just a few miles, you know, I'd be like, I could do the bike. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I started swimming. I would swim at the Y downtown Greensboro. I'd go at lunch and I'd First time I got in the pool when I started training, I remember I swam one length, not even a lap, 
one length and I was hanging onto the wall. I was dying. And then, you know, after about two weeks of going three days a week, I got up to like two laps in a row. And then after like two months, I realized the slower I swim, the longer I could swim. You don't have to swim frantically. You don't have to move your body a lot. Actually, the less I can move my body, the easier it is. And I I figured out um, the hard way. I could have got a coach and someone (laughs) taught me that right away. But, you know, uh, you realize you don't sink. And soon enough, I was swimming, you know, 500. And that, that was the limit. I mean, 500 was, might as well have been two miles at that point. But I'd never done bricks. You know, You know, obviously you understand the brick concept and putting them all together. And uh, we got to race day. <laughs> and Pete, I did everything in my power not to get off that bike. There were a few hills. <laughs> And my friends like it's your first race. Don't buy a bike. Don't worry. Don't don't borrow one. Just ride your, you know, it's a mountain bike. Just ride it. It crushed me. And there was this big hill, and I, I mean, mountain bikes have like twenty one gears. Yeah, and I ran out of gears. <laughs> you know? So, but I didn't get off, and I got through it. Got through the swim fine. You know that was that was fine. It was a pool swim. Yeah. Uh, no one passed me. I didn't pass anyone. So that was a, a feat. You know. Uh, and then the run, I set out on the run and uh, I probably got about a mile and a half in and I just had to walk a little bit. Yeah. And then I wound up walking like every, like doing maybe like a five minute run, 30 second walk, five minute run. But I finished, I finished, I think it was an hour and 24 minutes. And it was actually, ironically, it was today. Okay. When I was 43, because it came up on my Facebook uh, memories. Oh, that's And I was like, oh, it's today. That's great. That is. So that was my first race. And, and I wound up losing like 20 pounds. My blood pressure went from like 145 over 90 to 118 over 78. And my cholesterol went from like, I want to say like 242 to 180. In a six-month period, so my doctor was very happy with me, and uh, since then I've kind of kept that in the back of my mind on how quick you can get yourself out of shape. And you know, when we're young, Pete, we we work out for different reasons than we do now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it used to be you want to look good, then it was you want to feel good. Now I just want to stay alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the bar is set, and, and that's a high bar. You know, <laughs> I just want to stay alive. So. And I think that's important. That's a great lesson because I think, you know, in that age, usually it's 40s, early 50s that those talks happen as far as, you know, going on medication for certain reasons. And I think people aren't willing to make that. They don't have to find triathlon, but I think they need to find something because you can avoid it. You can you can avoid your diabetes medicine. You can avoid high blood pressure medicine, cholesterol just by improving one diet or really just improving activity. And doing something that one you're passionate about and that you're going to stick with, and it's a it's an amazing lesson I think for a lot of people to hear. Yeah, it's a great it's a great lifestyle change. Yeah, and you know, no food tastes as good as feeling good feels. Yeah, you know. So for me, 
Like uh, people would be like, oh, why do you watch your weight? Why do you exercise so much? I'm like, you know, the feeling that you get when you just feel good, it, it's so much more. It's so much better yeah. than, you know, what that cookie tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> but that cookie tastes like. I'm no stranger to cookies. <laughs> That's why you just need to run a little bit more or bike a little bit more to take that off. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> How old are you, Jerry? I am 51. I'll be 52 next week. Oh, okay. Well, happy birthday next week. So, yeah, I thought we were the same age. I'm 52 this year in September. Um, yeah. I figured that. So, um, so, actually, you went pretty quickly, too, from that first one to to Augusta to your half. It was about two, two, three years. Yeah, it wasn't very long. Okay, I, I kind of felt like I had a clock ticking on that, which was probably wrong to think. You know, you you get there and you see how many people are in their sixties or even seventies doing them. Yeah, and uh, I kind of felt like with my body, knowing myself, I was in that shape that I was like, if I want to do this, I could do it now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Again, it was a Christmas party, and my friend David and I were like, we want to do a half. We're going to do a half. And I signed up like the next day, and he never wound up signing up. So <laughs> I was kind of on my own. He was a big cyclist. You know, obviously, not obviously, but I think when you get to that half distance, it's always – I always envy the people that are natural at one of the three. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's cyclists that they ride 100 miles a weekend. It's they ride, you know, the 56, whatever it is. They, they don't. That's easy. You know, they don't really have to train the bike any more than they've been. Or these marathoners that just run constantly. They don't really have to train for a 13 point one. They could just, you know, they don't have to worry about that. And then swimmers, obviously, that swim like competitively. They're swimming two, three thousand a day. So swim, uh, you know, 1600. But for me, I was natural in none of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, had a, I had to start from scratch and build up in all three areas. So uh, that was a challenge. Yeah, luckily we had a good core group here. So there was always someone to train with. That, that's the, the coolest thing about making the transition to, to it is there's always somebody. So you can train alone if you want to, but there's always someone you can reach out to that will suffer with you. Right. That's exactly right. And and you look at the, the people we trained with, you know, throughout people talk about hitting the wall. You know, we hit the wall in training. And I think every one of us at one point or another was like, I'm done. Yeah, I just don't want to do this anymore. And we were like, everyone was there to pick you up when that happened. You know, mm-hmm. I remember for me, it was it was Rosa and Sarah. Yeah. Uh, we were on a 58 mile bike ride. and we We're 35 miles into it. And I wasn't bonking, but I was like, why are we doing this? Why am I doing this? It's 90 degrees out. I don't want to do it anymore. And, and I, I literally was like, I'm going to pull over in this gas station. <laughs> and I call my wife to pick me up. <laughs> and, and they were like, no, you know what? Let's just, we'll go slower. Let's just go for a bike ride. And we probably rode, no joke, about five miles at like, Riding a bike with your kid yeah. speed. I mean, eight miles an hour. Just like talking, laughing. And I, I think it was Rosa looked at me after about, you know, five miles. And she goes, are you ready now? <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's get home. And we just took off and and 
you know, I chased them the whole way home. <laughs> yeah, I can ex- I can see that. <laughs> yeah, no, they were fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, that's why I've been pulled through many rides by uh, by Walt. You know, Walt has pulled me many times. Yes. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, so what did you learn in that process from uh, jumping up to the half? Like you talked about training. How about during the event? What did you learn about yourself during that? You know, I learned that I couldn't get caught that that I shouldn't or couldn't get caught up in the fear. You know, we woke up that morning, Pete, and it was 90 degrees. I think it was the first time in 10 years that it wasn't wetsuit legal. Uh, You know, and it was like the Savannah River was not wetsuit legal. It was like unheard of. Yeah. And and I sat on that hill and and I I was panicked. And the truth is, you know, Nike with that just do it mantra, just my wife looked at me after training for so long and I was blessed to have her at my side. And she's like, if you don't get in that water, I will throw you in. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, and she kind of laughed and she goes, seriously, she goes, you're not going to have a heat stroke swimming. Mm -hmm. So swim, do the swim, you get out, you're done. You did the swim. And, you know, you get in that water, you start swimming and the adrenaline just starts to catch up and you get in your zone because it's a long enough swim to get in your zone. And, you know, I got out of the water and she was there. And I mean, I was wetsuit off on the bike, ready to go. And, you know, so so making sure that I didn't let that fear get in the way of what I wanted to accomplish. Yeah. And and, you know, it's it's not easy. But the truth is, if you just keep moving, yeah. you'll finish it. You know, um, you train hard enough, you train long enough, you just have to keep moving and, you know, blacking things out, blocking things out. As you know, on the bike, there were a few of those hills where you see people getting sick on the side of the road, yeah. see people walking. And, you know, I don't know how many people I passed on the bike that just did not look good and just, you know, trying to not let that get in your own head. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is 70, you know, that's a, that's far. Yeah. <laughs> I learned that, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, a few things I learned, you know, one, nothing, earth is not flat. <laughs> yeah. Earth is not flat. Wind is is strong, like four mile an hour wind is, is more than I ever need in the face on a three hour bike ride. <laughs> and 70 miles is forever. Yeah. I mean, I remember, and you'll probably recall this as well. I was on the bike and about 40 miles in, we passed a church mm-hmm. and the church had the speaker going. It's like, you're at mile 40. And I was like, this is great. I feel great. And then it hit me. I was like, I've got 16 more miles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? I'm like, that's, a, that's like another 50 minutes on the bike. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, whoo. Yeah. And, you know, I was a, a student of the, the sport. Like, I would look at the elevation maps before a race. I would kind of try to figure out where I wanted to go for it the most, where I could get more, where I would save energy. And I remember 
all the elevation maps saying the last few miles of that race were downhill. Yeah. It didn't seem to feel that way. It, it wasn't downhill. I can tell you that. <laughs> we got on that highway and there was no shade. And you ride that highway right back into uh, Augusta downtown. And I was like, this does not feel downhill. <laughs> I mean, and it was an incline the whole way, sure enough. Yeah. Yeah, and then that basically the uh, – I can't even call it a run. It was more of a walk and just like a march. It was just so hot. There were many times I was ready to curl up under that bridge. You know, you get under the bridge and it was like a 30-degree temperature change. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just stay here for a little bit, <laughs> you know. And there's trees. <laughs> yeah. I get hit that. And I was like, oh. It's funny. That run, I had one of those chillo towels that I had bought and – by the time I got to the first water stop, right outside of the transition area, I asked the dump, and they're like, we're out of ice. Yeah. I was like, you're out of ice? I mean, this is transition one. You know, we're, I, So I, I almost threw it away. It was a garbage can right outside. And I, something in my head said, keep it. You have a race plan, keep it. And sure enough, the next mile, I came up the next day, I had a whole bunch of ice, dumped the net, put that around my neck and under my armpits, and it saved me that day. Yeah, it was hot. Yeah, because um, you ended up you did wear your wetsuit, so you went you had to go to the back of the line, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. why you and Steve Collins. I know there's a. Um, I wish I saw it. I know he jumped in a fountain at one point during the race to cool off, and he said it was right yeah. in front of a police officer, and the guy he just looked at him and just you know laughed because Steve had to cool down somehow, so he was jumping in the fountain. Yeah, Steve wound up in the tent. I know, yeah. Medical tent after the race. Yeah, I was. He said it was the best. Yeah, <laughs> he, said, he felt the best of all. Because I felt back better immediately. I mean, it took me two weeks to feel better. Yeah, I was in there with him. So, yeah, he he felt oh, great. I'm like, yeah, I went in there. Well, I went in there with him. I didn't have to go, but uh, we needed somebody because <laughs> uh, Kim couldn't go in there with him. Um, so I went in there with him and gave her the news of what was going on. But, yeah, he was... He felt pretty good that night when we saw him, so. Hey everyone, I hope you're doing well. I want to hop in here and take a minute to thank all of you that have taken the time to tune into the Weathered Athlete Podcast. I hope at this point you can see how dedicated I am and how much fun I'm having with this project. I am working hard to provide quality programming and will continue to release episodes on a weekly basis until I just can't find anyone else to talk to. Your support is greatly appreciated. The Weathered Athlete Podcast has started a listener-supported patron program as a way to help supplement our production costs. Details including insight into our rewards program can be found at www.weatheredathlete.com. Over the past few months, I am thankful for all those that have appeared on the program or reached out to me to discuss the episodes. I will continue to hold the live stream events every 10 miles with past guests as they are able to attend. This has been such a great experience and I have already learned more than I could ever have imagined. If you know of anyone that would make a great guest or would be willing to be a sponsor to the Weathered Athlete Podcast, please direct them to the website. Now back to the program. So let's let's go back to the book. So um, tell me about what happened with the accident. Let's start with that. Yeah, so I was 20 years old. I was on my way home from, from a class in White Plains, New York. I was on the Springbrook Highway. And... I flipped my car. I came up over a hill. How it happened, you know, I kind of feel like I fell asleep. I, I came over a ridge and I woke up with my eyes opened and 
there was traffic. I hit the brakes, the car locked up. Uh, it was a Ford Escape. And the, it, was anti, it wasn't anti-lock brakes. This is 1989. And I went into the gully, flipped it three times. I was throwing 85 feet. Um, and luckily, blessed, I, I got in the accident right in front of a hospital. And it was right at like five o'clock on the shift change. There was a doctor right behind me. So the doctor had pulled over and kind of got to me. And all I really remember him is him playing with my neck sink, wiggle your toes. And I, I had to ask him, are my toes wiggling? Mm-hmm. And he's like, they are, you're doing great. And uh, next thing you know, I'm in an ambulance. And I'm like, can I sit up? And they're like, no, you can't sit up. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? You know, I was in shock. I didn't feel any pain at this point. And they're like, all we know is at this point, you have two broken legs. And I'm like, wow, two broken legs. Next thing I know, I'm, I'm on the gurney. And, you know, just like the TV shows, I'm going past the lights and it's flickering and I'm looking at the sky and there's commotion around you and everyone's yelling and they get me in and I, I have to sign a bunch of paperwork, like waivers from the, from the gurney and they cut my clothes off. Uh, and, you know, I'm, kind of in and out at that point. And I remember asking a doctor, you know, like, you know, am I, am I okay? And they're like, we got you this far, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know really what was wrong with me at this point. Um, my college roommate shows up in the emergency room. He comes in with his girlfriend and I'm like, Hey, how do I look? And he's like, Oh, you're fine. You look great. You look great. Later, months later, he would tell me that when he came in, when they walked out, he and his his girlfriend like broke down. They said my legs were on backwards. So like my feet were actually facing down when my torso was facing up. And um, so a lot, a lot goes on there. Um, you know, I wind up, I wind up, uh, staying in the emergency room overnight. And I remember asking the doctor at some point, can I go to sleep? And he's like, if you could sleep, sleep. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm a pretty religious guy. And I remember my mom always saying, pray to the Blessed Virgin Mm -hmm. Mother when you're in need. And so I did. And I remember praying. And then the next thing I remember, Pete, is them saying, okay, we're taking you into surgery. And apparently that was 12 hours that I've lost in my life. Wow. They say I was wide awake. They said I was very engaged, you know, upset, obviously, uh, worried. But I don't recall a thing from praying to you going into surgery. Uh, and then I was in surgery for 11 and a half hours. Um, I wound up breaking my left hip, my pelvis, my right femur three ribs, punctured lung, collarbone. Um, I had, excuse me, nine blood transfusions, which in 1989 was a a concerning thing as well. Yeah. Um, And then I would spend the next four days on a respirator with the punctured lung. I spent seven days in ICU. 
uh, back then they didn't want to replace hips because they didn't last that long. Mm-hmm. So I had eight screws and six pins in my hip and pelvis. And I was in traction for 44 days. Wow. Um, and then I was in the hospital for 48 days total. I, I, I done my best. Talk about perseverance. They told me I had to pass this like obstacle course to get out. And I wanted to go to homecoming. <laughs> so I worked so hard, you know, after being in bed that long, it, it takes 24 hours to sit you up mm-hmm. because you get dizzy. And then it takes another 48 hours to get you to stand and then, you know, get you from the bed to a chair. And, and you're doing these in like hour increments. Um, but then, you know, I was in a wheelchair for three months. I was on crutches for six months after that. And then I walked on a cane for another year and a half. Wow. So, you know, it was, uh, it was a crazy time in my life, you know, in September of 1989, my feet never touched the ground. <laughs> I never got out of bed. <laughs> you know, I never breathed fresh air because there was no windows that opened. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's odd to think, you know, yeah. when people are in COVID lockdown, yeah. you know, I would tell people you can, you can do this. Yeah. I know you don't think you could do it, but trust me, you can do it. Um, and, you know, I always tell people it's always better to be the person sitting in traffic than the person that caused it. Mm-hmm. Um, because too often you sit in traffic and you're like, oh, I can't believe I'm taking forever. You drive by a car and everyone, you know, kind of rubbernecks. And mm-hmm. you don't really think about that person, you know, a mile after you pass it. Um, and for me, you know, you talk about mantras and yeah. you know, one of the things that, that I always like to tell people is, you know, since we were kids, people would tell us, live your life to the fullest. You can get hit by a bus tomorrow. It, it really, Pete, doesn't have anything to do with the bus. Yeah. You know, it could be a diagnosis. It could be a car accident. It could be a lost job. It could be, you know, bad financial situation or, or investment, whatever it is. You know, when you wake up in the morning, you never know what can rattle you to the core by the time you come home. And I think too many people take it for granted that, you know, when you get up and you take a nice deep breath and you walk across the room and you, you, you and then you go to work and you walk outside and, you know, just being mm-hmm. it is, is such a privilege. And then, you know, being active like you and like me, I mean, so many people, you know, they wake up in the morning doing those things, but by nighttime, they're not anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, a doctor gave me an article when I was in the hospital and the gist of it was, you know, before my car accident, I could do 200,000 things. Now I could do 175,000. Mm-hmm. I could worry the rest of my life about the 25,000 things I will never do again, or I could appreciate the 175,000 things that I could still do to this day. Yeah. It's like little things like, like I can't cross my legs. <laughs> you know, I have people like they cross their legs. I, I can't do it. Yeah. Does that bother me sometimes? Well, I always try, you know, about once every six months. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. like yep, yeah, still can't do it. Yeah. You know, but then, you know, I get up and I'm like, oh, look, I could go walk across the room. I can yeah. jump. I can play basketball with my son. I can ride my bike. I could swim. Yeah. So, 
you know, so that was the whole purpose of the book. Yeah. You know, surgical steel, because I have metal all in me, all okay. over the place, to Iron Man. Okay. You know, and that was something I wanted to do. Um, I thought that would be closure for me. You know, it was like, you know what? An accident like this, you never forget. Mm-hmm. There's not a day I don't wake up and think of the accident ever. Yeah. It's not going to go away. But, you know, once you feel like, like you beat it, you know, what? it didn't keep me down. Yeah. It didn't win. You know, I got in the accident. Yes, it was awful, but I could still do things slow, but I could still do them. And, you know, you just feel great. You feel great inside about persevering with that. So when I saw your, you know, your blog, The Weathered Athlete, I was like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. Yeah. I love the concept. You know, the, the incredible story, Jerry. This is another reason why I love doing this, you know, um, just talking to people and finding out. Because, you know, I've, I've known you, I've trained with you, but I didn't know about that until I think probably within the past year, maybe as you were doing the book, you put it out there. Um, and I remember reading it. And that's incredible. And I think, you know, you have an insight at that age, you know, we're so self-centered in our 20s that basically... It is just about us and nothing about, you know, the future. You kind of just live in every moment. And uh, what a, unfortunately, it's a hard lesson to learn, but what an incredible journey you've had on the way um, since that happened. Yeah, absolutely. And the things you think about, Pete, you know, at 20, you think, am I ever going to have children? Yeah. You know, when I, I, I talk about in the book, um, Three weeks in, you know, I was kind of out of that danger zone of passing. Mm-hmm. But now it was, will I walk? How much, how, you know, how well will I walk? And an intern neurologist came in and did some tests. And I don't know this person's an intern. I'm 20 years old. And looks at me and goes, yeah, you probably will never walk again. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my, oh, my God. I get it wow, that's something to think about. Yeah. And, you know, later that night, my mom came to visit me and she got there like 4.30 in the afternoon. So from 10 to 4.30, I'm losing my mind. And this isn't in the cell phone days where you could just call people immediately. So I just sat there and thought about that. And when she came in, I told her the story and she immediately went and got the like head of neurology and he came in and he came in with a team of people and he did a bunch of tests and he's like, who told you you never walk again? I'm looking to the crowd. And I'm like, he's like, who? So I'm like, him. And he's like, one minute. <laughs> he takes the intern out into the hallway and he comes back in like two minutes later. And the intern's like, I'd like to apologize. You know, I spoke out of turn. Uh, that's not the case. Your reflexes are working fine, you know, with hard work and, you know, you should be able to, you know, obviously it's early yet. And the neurologist was, the head of the neurologist was like, listen, you're going to walk again. So you don't think anything about not walking. He yeah. goes, don't get that thought in your mind. You're going to walk again. He's like, the last thing I need is a patient thinking they can't walk anymore. And then you don't even try. Yeah. So, and sure enough, you know, you get up, for the first time and your legs are wobbly as can be and you think wow but you know 20 years later i was doing a 
triathlons. <laughs> yeah, that's what I love. So in the beginning, like how hard was it not to quit? You know, did you have a pretty good attitude the whole time or did you struggle sometimes? So, you know, right after the accident, I went through a, a period, like you said, you know, you're 20, you're self-centered, mm-hmm. thinking that I couldn't die. Like, I got the world on a string, you know, they tried to get me and I kind of was like, I'm going to live every day to the fullest. Mm-hmm. So my grade point average kind of sucked. <laughs> but, you know, after a while, you know, the pain starts to come. You know, when you're in your early 20s, you can kind of live through anything. It's, you know, sore, but not the pain that 45, 50-year-olds feel. And then, you know, I always kind of exercised. And then I started to realize, like, wow, I'm, I'm starting to not have that mobility that I used to have. And uh, you'd go to trade shows and you'd be on your feet all day. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, your hips are like hurting to the point where you're taking three, four Advil a day. And, you know, certainly thought at that point, this is not for me. The exercise is just hurting more than it's worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember going to a trade show in, in Orlando and I had a, a one or two year old daughter. I think she was two at the time. And, we did the show all day and my wife's like, meet me at the park. I went to the park and 2.30 in the morning, I had to get out of bed and go find the hot tub in the hotel because I was in that much pain. And, you know, when you when you lay flat on your back and you're in serious pain, mm-hmm. that's when you know it's time to do something. Yeah. And for me, that was the, the moment that I decided to get my hips replaced. Okay. And, you know, before that, like I could lift my left, my left foot off the ground, like maybe that much. I could open my legs about maybe that much. I could lift my, my uh, knee, I I guess, like across like that much, my feet. So I can go like that, like that, or like this. And that was it. I had zero mobility, you know, and I started tripping up steps, tripping down steps. You know, and here I am, I'm you know, relatively young and I mm-hmm. can't walk steps. I can't walk my leg. So I went and uh, Dr. Alusio right there, yep. Greensboro orthopedic. Yep. Uh, fantastic. Give him a plug anytime I can. Yeah. He, uh, I said, listen, I'm an ath- athlete. I like to do things. I want to get back to my life. I want to play golf. I want to swim. I, I want to do things. He said, we'll take care of you. And he's like, I only have one question for I was like, okay. It's like, how did you walk in here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, I am looking at your x-rays. And, mm-hmm. you know, the hip bone is kind of like like that. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, you got the cartilage in between. Yeah. It's all good. When you have bone on bone, that's where the pain is. Yeah. And he's, I was 100% bone on bone. And he's like, well, we got to replace both. Which one do you want to do first? Because we're not going to do both at the same time. And uh, sure enough, we did the left first. And then the right, and you know, soon after that, I was, I was back in business. Okay, what year did you have those done? Two thousand seven and two thousand nine. So you would have been. I got to do the math. How old do you think you were? Uh, Thirty-eight. Okay. And so 40. forty. Okay. And so, how was your recovery from both of those? You know, it was great. You know, a lot of people get hips done. Uh, 
for me, it was more about the mobility mm-hmm. than the pain. Obviously, I had pain, but you know, from a young age, I learned to live with kind of quite a bit of pain. And but the mobility was nothing. And okay. after it, I went to physical therapy, and I remember the physical therapist. His name is Mike. He says, "Okay, walk up the steps." It's pretty. And I was like, "You're kidding, right? I can't walk the steps. I can't do that." And he's like, "Really?" So I tried, and I couldn't lift my leg, like I showed you. Was, yeah. Yeah. So he took a bunch of pictures. I talk about that in the book. And uh, he's like, wow, you're going to be here longer than I thought. <laughs> and I, I wound up doing about six months of physical therapy, but it was great. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I would definitely tell people getting hip replacements, use your insurance, do the PT. Yeah. I know you think you could do it on your own. And yeah. a lot of people do, but the physical therapists are just, they, they train you right, give yeah. you the right habits, um, and I couldn't be happier with it. So that's awesome. Yeah, you know, as, you know, as a PT, the biggest thing I say is, you know, you can do it, but we want you to do it correctly from the beginning. Because if you do it poorly or your mechanics are off, all you're going to do is just wear it out sooner than than you think, and then you're going to be back in there for it again. So now you're at, so if I do the math, you're like 12 to 13 years now from them, maybe 14 years. How are they now? Great. I ran three miles this morning. Good. <laughs> you know, they, they, people talk about running being so bad for you. And I run so slow mm-hmm. uh, that I don't know, but I, I went to Alusio and I asked him, mm-hmm. I said, listen, I, I want to do these triathlons. He's like, he's like, listen to your body. Mm-hmm. He's like, run he goes are you gonna wear them out faster he goes i don't know it's like you know you're a healthy guy you're probably gonna be more upset not doing it so he's like just don't get out of hand with it you know the training for the for the iron man was harder because those were longer distances yeah uh but he's like you want to run 5ks go for it and to this day i mean i ran like i said this morning yesterday i biked you know 10 miles not not far but and, and my hips will feel the best things on my body. <laughs> my lower back may hurt. My ribs sometimes <laughs> hurt. You know, my, my shoulders are tight, but my hips feel great. <laughs> so are you doing a run-walk at all? I do. I do, you know, this time of year. I, today I didn't. Today I was – I just felt great. I yeah. guess the weather was right for it. But, you know, I'll uh, – Usually the first two months that I get back into running outside, I'll run, you know, I, I walk probably a quarter of a mile mm-hmm. and then I'll run probably a mile and then I'll walk, you know, probably a quarter of a mile, run a mile. I try not to do over three miles at this point. Okay. You know, every once in a while I'll do four, maybe five, but that's late in the season mm-hmm. where I'm biking a lot more and my cardio's there, you know, because I find I can muscle through cardio or I can muscle through my legs. I can't muscle through both. Yeah. So, you know, if I can get a cool morning in August or September that I'm just feeling great, I might do five, but okay. You know, I don't go much over that ever anymore. Okay. Well, I think that's a good lesson too, is that people think you have to do more and really you don't need to, you do what your body allows you to do. And then again, you know what is good for you. And again, your goal is to stay active, not to uh, wear yourself out to where you're not going to be able to do anything. So I think that's a great, you know, uh, plan that you have. 
Well, thank you. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> you get into that point where sometimes, you know, like you run and it gets hotter quicker. Yeah. You come home, you just don't feel good. And I'm like, yeah. I don't want to exercise to that point. You know, that's not what the goal is here. Yeah. Um, so. Do you do strength training? I'll start again. I did pre-COVID. Okay. I was really into it because this gym that we go to now has a, but once COVID hit, I just go to the pool. Okay. Because I was like, you know what? It's a ton of chlorine. Pools had such low transmission. I was like, yeah, that's good for me. I didn't go upstairs in my, in our gym. I haven't been upstairs in our gym since last March. Okay. But you know, now that the vaccines, I'm, I'm hoping to get in there soon. So I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Are you on the list to get a vaccine? I've actually had both shots. Okay, good. Yeah. Tennessee opened it up and I, I my sister's a pharmacist and she was pretty meticulous about it. Okay. About making sure that I got on the list quick. And so my wife and I, um, I think I'm nine days after my second shot now. So okay, I'm feeling pretty good. That's good. Which one did you get? Uh, Pfizer. Oh. We both had Pfizer. Okay. And, you know, we signed up the night before here in Tennessee. Amazingly. Got on the website. There was times the next day and went and it was fantastic. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. My wife and I, we both had the Moderna. I've been now probably, I don't know, seven, eight weeks now since I've had mine. Um, okay. so for healthcare, luckily we were able to get in, um, earlier on, but still late in the whole game, but still, um, it's nice to hear other people getting it. And I think as people continue to get it, we can start opening things up a little bit more. And like I said, I'm looking forward to, I'm going home to see my parents and luckily both, both of them have had theirs too. Um, so it's, it's, I feel a lot safer. Like I didn't feel comfortable going home in the fall last year. Um, but I definitely feel comfortable going home now and, and being around them and, you know, we'll still take some precautions, but still I feel, I feel better. Oh, it's fantastic. I haven't, my parents are actually here now. Okay. Uh, they came down last Thursday and they're here for two weeks and we hadn't seen them in 16 months. Yeah. My son, you know, seventh grader, he was up to here on my mom the last time she saw him. And now he's like, he's taller than her by like a foot. It's like, well, there, there you go. Yeah, that's what 16 months will do in isolation, basically. You grow. <laughs> well, that's it. And, you know, 13-year-old kid, I mean, that's that's when they sprout up. So. <laughs> that's good. So where do you see yourself in 20 years? What do you want to be doing in your 70s? You know, I, I, I feel like I'd love to teach mm-hmm. at a university level. So I don't, you know, I, I've had a pretty good business career and I have my MBA from Wake Forest, which I'm excited about because that'll help me to teach at a college level. Okay. Uh, so I'd like to be doing that, which would allow me to do, you know, some more activities. I, you know, I'd like to stay in the triathlons and the, and the sprint mm-hmm. arena, you know, into that age. I feel like, you know, if you would ask me that 10 years ago before I got into this, I would be like, there's no way. Yeah. But, you know, as long as you – keep up with the training. I feel like the swim I should be able to do in my seventies. I feel like the cycling slower, but I could do it in my seventies. And then, you know, 
how much worse can I run, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I guess the worst case scenario, you can always walk the 5K. That's what I was just going to say is you can always walk it. It doesn't matter. As long as one foot moves in front of the other, it doesn't make a difference. You, you get to the finish line that much faster. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's funny. People that don't do triathlons are like, why is the run always last? I'm like, because you can always stop running. Yes. You can't stop anything else. You yeah, stop yeah, cycling, you fall over. Stop swimming, you drown. Yeah. <laughs> oh, stop running. I mean, <laughs> you could walk or you could just stop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sit on the curb for a little bit and then start again. Awesome. So, you know, I don't want to keep you keep you much longer, but um, you know, we talked about the mantras a little bit, but then, you know, I use that hashtag my miles are for. What is it for you, Jerry, now? You know what? I think I thought about this quite a bit and, you know, for me, my miles are for my family. You know, I, I know what it's like to almost not be here. And regardless of how much we exercise, we all understand things happen and today could be our last day, regardless of how much we exercise. But I want to give myself the best shot I can to walk my daughter down the aisle. I want to do the, give myself the best shot to see my first grandchild. Mm-hmm. I want to give myself the best shot to be here for my wife if she ever needs me, to be here for my parents, to be here for my, my sister and her family. You know, I, I kind of feel like by taking care of me, I'll position myself to take care of my family. So for me, my miles are for my family. Yeah, that's awesome. And, um, and then so the book, what's the title of the book? Surgical Steel to Iron Man. Surgical Steel to Perseverance. Okay. So when um, when do you think it's going to come out? So it's in editing now. I feel like in the next six months. My goal is to have it ready and in print by like Thanksgiving, by holiday season. Okay. So it's such a longer process than you than mm-hmm. you know writing it is. I don't want to say the easiest part, but you know starting it is probably the hardest part. Writing it and getting through it is is fun. Yeah. You know, I mean, so that goes. Like, you feel motivated on a Saturday morning to get up and write for an hour. And, but, you know, editing is, like, draining because, you know, you do a rewrite. So you, you write the book. Then you go through it, like, every paragraph. And you're like, does it read smoothly? You know, then you rewrite it, like, to make sure it flows. Because you can't do that while you're typing or It'll take you 10 years and you just get frustrated. So, you know, the advice my daughter gave me was just write and then you rewrite. So I got through that, the rewrite, and then I had my wife kind of edit it. And now we're sending it to a professional editor to kind of make it flow and make everything work, you know, putting in the little antidotes and stuff. But so throughout the book, I I have like these aha moments. Mm -hmm. Uh, things that in my life, you're like, oh, you know, and it hits you. like, And, and so so it's a nice combination of, you know, talking about the accident and then little life stories that kind of all talk about perseverance and then culminates with like the race and that very hot day in uh, September of 2016. Yes. What a, yes. What a hot day. <laughs> Yeah, when, when Matt Clancy was my coach and he didn't yeah. finish in Chattanooga that day, yeah. Yeah. 
I felt really proud that I did. (laughs) There's a guy that's done a hundred races in his life and, and he just was like, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. I know. Well, it comes to the point where, you know, you just live the fight another day, you know, for, especially for a full that day, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, you knowing what's really important to you and, and just realizing that at the end of the day, um, it doesn't really matter. (laughs) No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It just, you know, I've got my plaque in the back all excited. I don't know if you can see it, but yeah, it's got I saw. In the middle and, and, you know, I love it in my office because when things get hard at work, mm-hmm. I always like look over that and I'm like, okay, it's not, it's not Iron Man hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's hard, but it's not Iron Man. Yeah. It's not 93 degree, feels like 98 degree September in Georgia hard. I know. <laughs> I know that's why I, since, you know, Ironman Chattanooga, we were in the upper nineties for that one too. So it's the same thing. It's basically, I can, I can accomplish anything right now. Again, you don't have to, I'll just get it done. But boy, if I can survive that, there's nothing you can throw at me that I can that's get it. through. It feels great though, doesn't it? it? It does. It feels great. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to read the book. Yeah. I can't wait for you to read it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you're going to definitely have to let me know. And, uh, when it does officially come out, um, obviously I'm sure it'll be a, what an Amazon and other major platforms. Yeah, for okay. sure. That's good. For sure. <laughs> yeah. It feels awesome. It's a bucket list thing, Pete. Yeah. And I've always wanted to write a book and I've always wanted to write this book. Yeah. You no, know, I, I, I don't know if I did the race because I wanted to write the book. Okay. If I wrote the book because I did the race, I got to be honest with you. I've had this this dream of writing a book about like a comeback story, and and I always I had this title of Surgical Steel the Iron Man in my head probably twenty years ago. Okay, and you know I was like, you know what? On my ten year anniversary of my accident, I want to. You know, so that's really my goal. Like my my accident was August thirtieth, nineteen eighty nine. So I'd like to have it definitely out by August thirtieth edition. Okay. Um... Jerry, awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, I loved it. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm honored to be a part of it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and were able to gain some insight into how one weathering athlete uses his experience to approach each day of training and racing to stay as injury-free as possible. Jerry's story is remarkable, and I had to hold myself back from asking follow-up questions as to not have him reveal the contents of his whole book. As he states, his accident afforded him a rare appreciation of the value of life. His road to 70.3 Augusta did not come without struggle. His strength in life and in athletics is one of family, faith, perspective, and perseverance. He has learned over the years on what is important. Having two hip replacements prior to the age 40 has provided him the ability to remain active, and he has taken the necessary steps to take care of his body with a goal to be able to hopefully one day walk his daughter down the aisle and play with his grandkids. I know I will anxiously await the release of his book and look forward to taking a deeper dive into his journey. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. If you find today's or any other episode inspiring, I ask you to consider in joining our patron program. Details can be found at www.weatheredathlete.com. Also, please don't forget to hit subscribe to this podcast, share with your friends, Give me a rating on iTunes. Leave me a comment or drop me a line if you feel you have what it takes to enter the Weathered Athlete Podcast. Lastly, no matter how you complete your miles, I encourage you to use the following hashtag, my miles are four, as a way to reinforce the purpose of those miles. 
As always, my miles are for the journey. Pete Barusik.